L. King, X's and O's, Island 1069, W-I-I-S-Q-S. Good morning. I'm Gwen Filosa, in with you for It's Too Early. That's the name of the show. Broadcasting right off Duval Street in beautiful downtown Key West, Florida. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm super excited to have my guest this morning. We have a lot to talk about. She's a psychologist whose uh, books include Untangled. Her latest is Under Pressure. It's a New York Times bestseller, and it addresses the increase in anxiety and stress in girls from elementary school through college. Dr. Lisa Demore, good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for taking the time. You, you've got a lot going on. You have a podcast, you're a writer, you're a psychologist. Uh, so I thank you for, for being on today. Um, let's just kick it off with Under Pressure. And this is uh, you know, the urgent, urgently needed guide to addressing, uh, that's what the reviews say, the alarming increase in anxiety and stress in girls. Um, what drew you to this topic and why was it important for you to dive in? Well, so that book came out in 2019 when we were already seeing spiking anxiety and stress in girls in particular, but also boys. And I will tell you, um, it has been followed, not surprisingly, by rising anxiety and stress in everyone. And so it um, I didn't mean for it to be a particularly timely book, but it has turned out to be far more timely than I could have expected. And the reason I wrote it is that psychologists are much more comfortable with anxiety and stress than the general population is. We know a lot about how they operate. We know a huge amount about how to keep them under control. And I wrote the book because I really wanted to get out there all of the information we have about how anxiety is not always pathological. It can actually help keep you safe. It's appropriate in a lot of circumstances. How stress helps you grow, that um, people don't need to be stressed about being stressed. They need to really focus on how they're coping because sometimes stress mm. cannot be avoided. And so these, it's meant and hopefully received as a hopeful and helpful book where um, I try to bring across the science of how to manage anxiety effectively and how to manage stress effectively. And what, what are the um, issues or things that happen in life that uh, contribute to anxiety and stress in, in young women and girls? Well, so prior to the pandemic, there were two major forces that I was watching, actually three. One is that um, there's a lot of achievement pressure on girls and girls feel achievement pressure differently than boys do. Girls do extremely well in school. They tend to be very interested in pleasing adults. Um, and yet, even while they're doing better than, than boys in school, they tend to feel more stressed about school. So I wanted to address that. There's also the social media issue mm -hmm. that we know that girls use social media differently than boys do. We worry a lot about the impact of social media on girls' body image. Um, I would say this has been seriously exacerbated by the pandemic, the amount of time kids are spending online, the amount of time kids have to just worry and think about internal things as opposed to being engaged in the broader world. And then the other factor, and this applies to everyone, the language around anxiety in our culture became inaccurate. People started to talk about and still do talk about anxiety as though it's always a disorder, as, as though you're not supposed to feel anxious. And that's not true. Anxiety is an alarm system that we all come equipped with that helps us to keep ourselves safe. So if you're driving and somebody swerves and cuts you off, you should have an anxiety response that is appropriate, that will keep you trained on that other driver, that will help you, you know, move lanes. 
We only worry about anxiety if it's present and there's nothing wrong or if there's a reason for the anxiety. Maybe a kid needs to take a test and the anxiety is way too big for the situation. Maybe they're having a panic attack as opposed to being a little bit revved up and tense. Other than that, anxiety is a normal, healthy, protective function. And I wanted people to know that because what I was running into is kids and also grownups who were getting anxious about even being anxious. And mm-hmm. that's not necessary. Mm-hmm. And I, I, for the first time this year, it started experiencing anxiety. Now I'm a depressive and I'm very proud of that. And uh, <laughs> but anxiety, I had to call someone. I'm like, this, I have this fe- feeling of impending doom. Nothing's really happening and I can't shake it. And um, can you talk a little bit about um, the coping mechanisms that people, maybe there things that aren't working and maybe some coping mechanisms that do? Absolutely. So one of the coping mechanisms that doesn't work, and it sounds like this was where you were finding yourself moving, is rumination, where you start thinking about something. You start to think about it and think about it. And for a lot of people, especially very bright people, they often find that if they think about a problem, they make progress on the problem and they get to the bottom of the problem and they feel better. So if that's working, great. But sometimes people get stuck in a worry loop where they Mm -hmm. can't stop thinking about something that's really bothering them. And the advice on that is actually to change your mental channel, to go find a distraction, just to give yourself a break even from the thing you're worried about. And either it will be the case that you come back to it and you have fresh eyes on it and you have some perspective and it doesn't feel so bad, or you'll take the break from it and at least your body will get a break from all of that stress and anxiety. You won't be dumping so much cortisol into your bloodstream. So you'll feel better physically. So when you come back to it, you may be able to tackle it in a different way. So that's one option. The other option is to do an assessment of the threat. And what I mean by that is that anytime we're having irrational anxiety, when anxiety is getting out of control, We are overestimating the risk we are facing, and we are underestimating our ability to manage that risk. Mm. So for people who are feeling really, really worried, the questions they want to ask themselves are, okay, worst case scenario, how likely is that to happen? You know, like what, how likely is it to go totally off the rails? And then what can I do to minimize the chance that the worst case scenario will occur? And It's not that we're trying to get rid of anxiety altogether. We just want to bring it into that rational zone where we're not overestimating the danger or underestimating our ability to manage the danger. Mm -hmm. Because I I guess what what I felt like I was going through, I was freezing up and I was worrying so much about, you know, stuff I had to do, you know, that I I felt like I was freezing and not, not doing it. And then it makes it worse. I mean, obviously, just horrible. It does make it worse. And then things pile up and then you feel terrible about those things. So, you know, having strategies that you can draw on, whether it's I'm going to go do something else altogether that's just distracting so I can get my feet under me or I'm going to look at this problem in a very analytical way, um, those things can really help. The other thing that can really help is breathing. And Mm. I know it sounds sort of um, wooey and soft and not necessarily very scientific to talk about using breathing to regulate anxiety, but it's a very biological intervention. It... um, When we're anxious, our brain gets our lungs and heart to go into overdrive. We have our heart rate accelerate, our breathing gets quick and shallow. And this is our ancient fight or flight system helping us get ready to run from something or attack it. When we breathe deeply and slowly, we actually act 
activate nerves on the surface of our lungs that notice mm. the patterns of our breathing. And those nerves notice that we're breathing deeply and slowly, which they take as evidence that we're safe. And then they send that message up to the brain saying, you can calm down. You know, the, the messages we're getting from the nerves on the lungs is that everything's okay. And so that helps to downregulate anxiety in the brain and in the body. No, I did find like a five minute meditation on some app and it, the breathing was, I, it's not, it's like when you, when I'm in a class and exercise and they say, don't forget to breathe. I'm like, I did. So I yeah. appreciate that. Absolutely. And I think understanding the biological mechanism makes it even more powerful that if people are breathing deeply and slowly and can know, you know, that I'm sending a message from the nerves on my lung up to my brain to offer reassurance, it makes breathing even more effective, I found. And wanted to ask you about teen body image. I mean, I thought I had it rough growing. I'm I'm kind of old, but uh, the the Facebook leak earlier and the, the things about Instagram and damaging uh, girl, especially girls, um, they want to look like the filters and and some of them were considering plastic surgery. I mean, things that just were shocking to me. Um, what's going on with with the body image concerns for teens and um, and w- what can parents do? So it's a pretty different world, like you say, in terms of what kids get exposed to along the lines of like visual input about their world. So you and I might have looked at magazines where Mm -hmm. we were like, oh, she's so beautiful. She's so skinny. I wish I looked like that. Like that was available to us. The thing that is so different about social media is it's not passive. It's not inert. Mm -hmm. So if a young person, girl or boy, goes searching for things like fitness or, you know, um, getting in shape, the algorithms on social media pick that up and then start to push towards them lots of images of before and after things, information about supplements that you can use to diet. So they start to have a very shifted universe online because the algorithms are pushing content at them. So you and I might have fallen down a rabbit hole when we were younger, you know, looking at lots and lots of magazines, but we would have had to find that rabbit hole and throw ourselves down it. Kids today can do one or two searches and get sucked down a rabbit Mm -hmm. hole by the active and driven nature of what social media will present to kids. And that's the part that I think we really haven't grappled with. It's not just what kids search for, it's what they get flooded with. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it just was shocking to read that. I mean, obviously, it's kind of obvious that this can happen. And like you said, social media, just it, it's so aggressive. It's just, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it can be addictive. So it's it's like girls are sort of, um, all the messaging is so, and they're, yeah. they're, I mean, these days there's the body positive. There are some, some things, but I, I don't think they're anything like the campaign to destroy girls' self-esteem with Instagram. Yeah, no, that's a well good way to put it. Um, there's a lot of money caught up in selling people the idea that they need to change and that there's a product that can help them change. Yeah, no, you have a podcast, Ask Lisa. It's about the psychology of uh, parenting. I, I don't have kids. Uh, I, I, I don't, I'm not a parent, but I think there's so much pressure. Everyone's so judging, like, parenting and... Um, um, what's going on with parenting today? It's so hard, Gwen. I do have kids, and I will tell you, 
this pandemic has just been such a challenge for families because everybody's trying to get themselves through it. And then people who have kids are trying to not only get themselves through it, they're trying to get their kids through it. And um, it's been a really long, hard time. And so um, I started the podcast with my fabulous colleague, Rena Ninen, who's a journalist. And we developed it to get as much support out to parents as quickly as possible. It comes out every week and we cover, we answer questions from parents and we cover everything. We just did an episode on divorce. We have a lot on stress and anxiety. We have a lot on behavior. We also have, how do you get your smelly kid to shower? Like Mm -hmm. we really try to provide that um, on the ground practical support that parents need because one of the challenges of being a parent is when things aren't going well in your house, you don't always know where to turn. You don't necessarily want to talk to your neighbors about your kid. Um, You know, it's hard to know where you can trust resources. So we've really tried to meet parents where they are and answer the questions that seem to be on everyone's mind. That sounds that sounds great. Now it's a where holidays are are going on and the the new year is coming up. And you had uh, around this time last year, January twenty twenty one, had been on CBS this morning talking about uh, mental health resolutions that uh, people can can uh, maybe maybe write up. What what are some like what are some of yours? What are some key ones that people might want to consider? Yeah. And I mean, every time we turn the you know page on a new year, we, we step back and think. So here are some things I would encourage your listeners to consider as we go into 2022. So one is they should expect some distress. You know, don't be scared of the idea that this is going to be another hard year. I mean, none mm-hmm. of us want it, but humans are built to withstand distress. We've gotten very good at adapting to the pandemic. And instead of being frightened of becoming upset, really focus on coping. Make a plan for when I have a really crummy day or when there's a headline that really um, gets to me, what's my play? You know, am I going to go for a long walk outdoors or am I going to drink too much, right? It, it really, what it comes down to is not the distress, but how the distress gets managed. So I would say expect distress and make a plan for healthy coping is the first thing we should do. And then this is corny, but it works practice gratitude. Mm -hmm. When things are hard, when things are hard over a long period of time, and it's easy to start to feel pretty despairing, it really makes a difference if you can step back and say, what am I thankful for? What is working for me? What do I have that I am so fortunate to, you know, have access to in my life? Focusing on those things, focusing on that moment will boost well-being no matter what. And it's important to do to be in the moment and appreciate how fortunate so many of us are. And then the last thing I would say is look out for others. You know, what can Mm -hmm. you do to extend yourself on behalf of other people? Um, When we are taking care of other people, it's a double bump. We help them and then we feel good for doing it. I like it. I like it. Dr. Lisa Damore, the books are Untangled and Under Pressure. The podcast Ask Lisa about the psychology of parenting. Thank you so much for coming on and, and thanks for everything you do for people in the community. Thank you for having me. Um, and, and I wish you a really happy holiday and I wish you a good new year. Same, right back at you. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. And uh, thank you all for tuning in today to It's Too Early. We're going to play a song, come back, and look at your news and headlines for today. This is the Brian Setzer Orchestra. We got a lot a lot of these songs on the on the mix these days. The Man with the Bag. Stick around. 
Mr. Kringle is soon gonna jingle The bells that'll tingle all your troubles away Everybody's waiting for the man with the bag Christmas is coming again Well, he's got a sleigh full It's not gonna stay full He's got stuff to drop it 